Chanel Duboski. I'm Harry Waxman. The episode we watched is called Extreme Aggressor, and it's the very first ever episode of Criminal Minds. It's the pilot. Uh, and in this, in this episode, uh, there's a lot of strange hair and a lot of suit wearing and a lot of uh, establishment of facts that may or may not play out in the future of Criminal Minds. Uh, but basically what you should know is that Jason Gideon, who is played by Mandy Patinkin, is very fancy and very disturbed, and he's had this thing happen to him that we're not really sure about, but it was in Boston, and something is bad, and he's on medical leave. And But apparently the rest of the team can't do anything at all without him, so they have to call him back in to investigate with them this case in Seattle, um, which is that this guy is strangling people, women, always women, and putting them in a cage and then murdering them. Um, and they need Gideon to help them figure this out because they are totally helpless. And um, also there's a baby about to be born. Um, Aaron Hoshner, who's an agent, and his wife, Haley Hoshner, is uh, about to give birth, and so they have to figure out what they're going to name this creature. Um, and there's a lot of serial killers that also have the first names of, that they would like, so there's a bunch of conflict there. Also, um, uh, oh, at the end, right? Um, <laughs> maybe Patinkin may or may not get murdered at the end trying to buy gas. I was wondering, like, sort of how you got into the show Criminal Minds, what it is that appeals to you about the show. Like, what, why, why are you, because this, I mean, other than some of the Real Housewives, even more than that, maybe, like, this is, like, one of your number one subjects for Twitter. Um, like, your, your Twitter feed has a lot of really great reproductive justice retweets a lot of great Black Lives Matter retweets, and then, like, 50 live blogs of every episode of Criminal Minds. And so I was wondering, like, what, like, what drew you to this show? Like, what, how did it become such an important thing in your life? It's true. It's, like, my favorite show. Like, when they're on hiatus, I kind of don't know what to do. Um, <laughs> okay. So I enjoy, like, darkness. Like, I like – Okay. Um, I don't know. I'm like sort of like weirdly soothed and entertained by like serial killer documentaries. Katie Klebusch, who's another reproductive justice act, um, activist person, yes. and I often talk I about this, so like we just no big like deal. This. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, IRL. So that's like just one like interest. I started watching it, and this is a little weird. In in 2011, I was in like probably the worst depression I've ever had. Like to date and since. Um, and I was having a lot of trouble leaving my house and I just sort of needed something that was like reliable. And this, it was on constantly. Like every time I would turn on like A&E or whatever, there would be like a marathon. I was like, what is this? This is on all the time. This isn't like, eh, I don't know what this show is. And then I was like, okay, maybe we just give it a chance. And then I watched it and I was like, wait, this program has been on like literally every day for like six hours for two weeks and it's about serial killers and I have not watched it. Like why, <laughs> why would I, why has this, so then I started watching it and then I, I don't know. I think it's, I think the thing I like the most is the, like the thing that make a, makes a perfect episode for me is when there's like, a, like just like a remorseless killer, like not somebody okay. who had like problems or whatever, but somebody who's just like fucked up and like, doesn't know why they do these things and they're just locked up. So like there's that part, but then there's like a really excellent character development that's happening simultaneously. 
Um, and they're not, you know, that's not like every episode at all, but the ones that combine those two things successfully are my favorites. Cause I'm like really obsessed with these characters. Uh huh. Like, yeah. I, I've definitely I noticed that it, a lot of your live tweets are about the personal relationships between the, the members of the team. Yeah. So I think that's a, that's another thing that I like, um, so much about it too. And, and I mean, I don't know, just like that, co- it's like a comforting thing that it's like, re- it's like always there, I guess too. It's like always on TV. Sure. It's very findable. Um, and I think there's also like, I've probably been watching it for like 10 years. Well, I haven't been watching it for 10 years, but I have seen all the episodes. Yeah. Okay. That math doesn't add up, up, Chanel. I know. It's true. I'm not. It has not I been 10 years since 2011. <laughs> Correct. Correct. I was wrong. Um, but, you know, I've seen the whole series, so 10 years worth of shows. So, like, you know, I feel like I'm pretty in deep with the characters. Um, and it, But it's also, I will say, for the purposes of this, too, it's also a show where, like, I can't, and we're going to talk about this, but, like, I can't think too much about it. Like, in terms of the politics of the show, um, in terms of, like, the police and like the FBI and like how a woman gets murdered every week. Like there's just a lot of stuff that I'm like, this is fucked up. And like, how do I deal with this? And also be the person that I am in terms of like politics. And so, so there's and so is the solution just not thinking about it. I guess so. Or like sometimes trying to like put some kind of different lens on it to like, well, this is a thing that they do. This is TZ. Like the writers are trying to do something different with this. They're trying to be more aware of what is happening. And it, it's played out too, I think, in, and we can talk about this in terms of like the characters and like, or the, the team members and why they leave. Yeah. Cause obviously we're, we were only just starting. A lot of the pilot is about Mandy Patinkin has been taking a hiatus from active duty in the FBI because he experienced and severe trauma, and then they're like, well, we've got a pretty bad serial killer in Seattle, so probably you're ready to get back onto duty. Right, sure. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. When, you know, obviously any one of us in in the Tankin's shoes would have said, honestly, I'm not going to Seattle. Uh, Like, even if I were in tip-top mental health, I'm not sure you could drag me up there to deal with a serial killer. Yeah, Maybe that's he's like, fuck it, I'm going. He immediately is like, well, time to go, I guess. Here's my question. We're right. we're jumping ahead a little bit here, but like, who teaches his class when he goes back to uh, being on duty? Does he like? Does he continue teaching class semi regularly on the show, See? or does does his class just stop entirely? I think that they. I mean, they're always alluding to like people to how you know. I don't think Hotch teaches, but I think there's like pretty much always some kind of allusion to, like, Reed teaching and Gideon. But they never address, like, what happens when, like, someone has to, someone's like, oh, sorry, there's, like, a serial killer, I got to go, like, right now. Like, you know, I don't know what they, yeah. I'm not sure how they handle that. Yeah. I don't like, know. who grades papers? And assume, there's some kind of teaching assistant. And my, like, how much of Quantico is run by these teaching assistants at this point? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's true. I never thought about that. Yeah, these are questions. These are questions. Yeah. All right. So do you want to, do you want to, should we start by going through the, the episode? Yeah, let's do that. So you and I are coming at this from like really different 
angles, right? Like, I guess, I guess I'm what the kids would call a super fan, and, like, you've just started watching. So, like, I, from my perspective, going back and watching this was, like, bananas. Like, I didn't know how to watch this from the perspective of somebody who hasn't seen this, this show, like, 30,000 times. Yeah, and the show's in its, like, 60th season now, like, as of the time of this recording, June 2015. Yes. And so going back yeah. to the first season, I'm sure, like, a ton has changed in this time. I know that Mandy Patinkin isn't on the show anymore, for example. So it must be weird for you to revisit The Legend of Gideon. Well, I'm not going to spoil it, but in season 10, they do deal with The Legend of Gideon. Oh, that's exciting. So all we need to do is record something like 20 to 24 episodes for 10 seasons. So, okay, so in about 200 episodes of this, what we're doing right now, um, we'll be able to finally address The Legend of Gideon and what happened to that guy. All right. Part of what's exciting for me about this is wondering if we do, if we record one episode per week, obviously the show is only on the air a little under half of the year. So I'm wondering if we will ever be able to catch up with the series before it is canceled. I mean, yes. Um, Sorry. (laughs) Just made that sound in response to Criminal Minds being canceled. I'm so Um, sorry. It, It probably won't happen for a long time. Like, these police I mean, uh, procedural dramas, you know, they run forever. They literally run forever. It's true. It's true. Although, and, you know, there is a point where you should be like, can it die now? Can you just kill it while it's like, like oh, it's, while it's good and not wait until something horrible happens? Anyway, yeah. See, I feel that way about a lot of shows, certainly. Um, but with shows like this, I, I tend to feel, I mean, you know, maybe this is an unfair comparison, but things like, Law and Order and CSI and, you know, Criminal Minds, these are shows that are kind of built to last forever if necessary. The, like, the, yeah. there's always going to be another case of the week, and you can always shuffle yeah. in new cast. Like, whatever 50-year-old male actor is taking a break from movies will be available to plug into the yeah. leading role, whether it's, um, yeah. uh, what was his name on CSI, Grissom, who was ultimately replaced by... Uh, Lawrence Fishburne and then Ted Danson yeah. and uh, yeah. on, on Criminal Lines, right? They replaced Mandy Patinkin with uh, Joe uh, Montaigne. Joe Montaigne, yeah. I know that you're worried about Criminal Minds someday being canceled, but I think when Joe Montaigne <laughs> is tired of the show, like Robert Downey Jr. or someone will join in. We'll come back, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sure it's impossible to imagine that Robert Downey Jr. will ever not be a movie star, but I guess we'll have to wait and see on that one. Do you want to get to the meat of the show? Yeah. It's rating in uh, computer-generated Seattle. That, is that is it computer? Uh, are you sure it wasn't filmed in actual Seattle? How confident are you? Well, so it was filmed. Here's, some, here's my nerdiness. It was filmed in, yes. in Vancouver. This pilot was filmed in Vancouver. Okay. Um, because Mandy Patinkin had it in his, in his contract, because he's Mandy Patinkin, that um, if it went to series, they had to shoot in New York or L.A., but because they didn't know if it was going to go to series, this was shot in Vancouver. That is really interesting. I think um, that same thing happened with David Duchovny on X-Files, right? He moved the production to L.A. Oh. when it used to Look be filmed in Vancouver. Look at the power of white men. Okay, that's what we've learned. Um, that's so true. Okay. <laughs> Look at the power of my contract. So it's, we're in Seattle, but it's really Vancouver. Um, and her name is Heather, and she's, she's looking for a car to buy online. Right, so she's downloading JPEGs from IMs with strangers, which, frankly, her parents fucked up, if that's the way that she's behaving. 
Um, I mean, there's so much about this me, already screams. Yeah, this is like, this is a real woman in trouble setup. Yes, it is a woman in trouble setup. So he, she like goes to meet this guy who's driving her around. He was obviously a murderer. And not, we don't yes. even have to know that he's a murderer. He's obviously There's no question he's a murderer. She's just like, yeah, I'll definitely no. get into your car, dude, who's like wearing a hoodie and won't show me his face and sent me a JPEG of a car through an IM. <laughs> There's no chance you're definitely a murderer. <laughs> no chance. And they get out, right? Doesn't she get out and, like, walk around the car with him? And it seems, like, yep. pretty. For a second, you're like, yeah, I would do that. I would, like, walk around the car with you. But I would be afraid that you would throw me into the trunk. So, yeah. Yeah, but, here's know. what you do. You don't, like, don't take a test drive with a stranger. Like, you meet at their house. Right. You can, like, give them your license while you drive the car around the block and then, like, come back. That's what I would do. That's what I have done when I bought cars from strangers is... And that, you know, frankly, that's why I haven't been murdered. Right. That is why. That's the only reason why. Um, so Heather's so, anyway, in trouble. Well, Heather's in trouble. Heather is in trouble, and she is definitely getting murdered by, um, do we remember what his name is, this guy? This, no. uh, what do they call this? Honestly, uh, the Seattle Strangler. I oh. think they call him the Seattle Strangler. All right. I don't know. All right. Okay. Let's go with that. All right, because I have a note here that just says the Seattle Strangler. Um, so I didn't know that I, yeah. Greg from Dharma and Greg was on this show. That was a, a big shock to me. So I didn't know that he was Greg and when I started watching the show because I never watched Dharma and Greg. But, yeah, apparently, yeah. Did you Have you watched shows other than Criminal Minds, like, in your life? In my life. <laughs> um, yes. Like the only lo- the only show I think I've honestly been as serious about is Criminal Minds is Dawson's Creek. Okay, I'm with the only it. show that I think I had like level of like emotional attachment. I've only seen some of the first season of Dawson's Creek. Which is I there, mean, there's is there anybody from Dawson's Creek? Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering. If it, okay, don't don't spoil it. I'll just I'm gonna wait till it happens and okay. then I'll get excited. But it's definitely Michelle Williams, right? Just joins the cast regularly, and I never knew about it. Yes. yes. It's not Michelle Williams. Um, okay. So then we, uh, Greg from Gar- Dharma and Greg gets, like, a fax, right, that tells him that the Seattle Strangler's at it again. <laughs> a fax! He gets a fax while he's at home with his wife, Haley, right. and- who was on Dawson's Creek. She played Andy McPhee. Yes. Nice. I didn't notice that. That's a, I, I love that we were one sentence away from the crossover moment. There we are. Yes. And they're talking about what to name their baby. And obviously we learn at the end of the episode that they're going to name their baby, baby Criminal Mind, because that's the name of the show. Mind Hotchner, yes. <laughs> Criminal Mind mm. Hotchner, yes. That's right. Um, and then we cut to a bar, right, where um, everyone's arguing oh, yeah. over serial killers and stuff. So we meet Morgan in the bar, uh, Derek Morgan, Morgan, who is, like, trying to pick up these ladies by telling them everything that the BAU does about serial killers. Can I ask you he a question? He has an enormous phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would, would that work on you if you met Derek Morgan in a bar? Okay, so obviously he's a super well-dressed, super handsome guy, so he's got that going for him already. But then all he wants to do yeah. is talk about the work he does with serial killers. So if you met this guy in a bar and he was using these pickup lines, would you be like, yeah, let's, uh, let's go back to Morgan's place? One hundred percent. No question, huh? No question. I would not. It would never occur to me that this guy could be using all of his serial killer knowledge to then parlay into murdering me. 
even though we learned just, literally on this very episode that these serial killers like pay a lot of attention to law enforcement and are obsessed with right. Mandy Patinkin. Yeah. You'd be like, no, this guy's probably good. You would get into his car, which is exactly why people are getting murdered. Yes. That's probably the part we don't see. Um, Heather is having an IM conversation with uh, the Seattle Strangler, and the part we see is when he sends her a JPEG of the car. But before that, it's probably all serial killer talk. Yes. Probably just, like, having, like, these chats about, like, Son of Sam and stuff like that. And she's like, damn, this guy can get it. Get it? Uh, yes, I will give it to him. It can be gotten by him. <laughs> yes. Gross. Um, and so Morgan also is talking about Gideon because Gideon has something happened to him in Boston, and Morgan was supposed to be there in Boston, but for some reason was not available. Uh, I don't. I don't recall why. Maybe because I, I don't. We don't really know what happened in Boston yet. I guess we don't know all the details of it yet. We do. But something bad happened in Boston that fucked up Gideon pretty bad. And honestly, I went to college in Boston, and I get that. The city of Boston can fuck you up really bad. It's true. It's true. Yep. And yeah. we go to, uh, to Quantico, right, where Gideon's teaching about the footpath killer in his class yep. about serial killers that will be canceled within five minutes. So it's like, sorry, everybody gets an A. I'm joining the FBI again. It's done. You all get it. Gideon says something ridiculous in this scene, and like I'm not trying to make too much fun, but and I guess I don't know anything about FBI profiling, and I'm sure you're an expert at this point. But absolutely, he's like Gideon's like I never met the footpath killer. I'm not quoting. I never met the footpath killer, but probably he had a stutter because he's ashamed of something, yes. and that something is probably a stutter. Now you have to be like real good at profiling to figure that one out. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how he knows that. That actually becomes a thing in, like, a couple episodes from now, that people are, like, very obsessed with this thing that Gideon knows about the foot, he knows about the footpath killer, even though... He knows everything about the footpath killer, because yeah. he's that good at profiling. He knows everything about everything. This is, I, you know, I watch, um, I watch the show Hannibal, speaking of shows about oh, yeah. the FBI investigating serial killers, yeah. and... um. The fir- like the first few episodes of Hannibal are much more episodic than the rest of the show, and it's a lot. Of, it's like more of um, Will Graham investigating serial killers, and he's also like an expert profile. He'll like look at a crime scene and see like, you know, some murdered bodies or whatever, and he'll immediately be like, "I think the killer probably got a haircut recently, based on what I see here." Yeah. And I don't honestly know how anybody gets away with being a serial killer if the FBI is that good at profiling. They can probably figure out your phone number based on looking at a crime scene. I mean, look, there's a reason why I'm not a profiler. I don't pay attention. <laughs> that apparently, That's why. So now Gideon is teaching yeah. his class, right? Yep. And uh, then someone busts in. and He's like, excuse me, Professor Gideon. Uh, there's a Seattle Strangler on the loose. So is that right? Is that how it goes? Feel free to yeah, correct so, No, no, no. So the person who busts in is Reed. Um, but before Reed busts in, there's a Ted Bundy reference, which I enjoy. Uh, well, what was that? Can you tell me about that? What was that reference? So, I mean, I, it would be wrong to say I'm a fan of Ted Bundy because I'm not. But uh, <laughs> and I, did, <laughs> I didn't write it down, her. but I did write down... 
admirer. Uh, more like, you know, fascination. But um, I didn't write down what the reference was. I just wrote Ted Bundy reference exclamation point. Uh, I get that. I don't know. But, yeah. you know, it's enjoyable. Well, would you describe um, him as your favorite yeah. serial killer in real life? Um, I'm, I might just, yeah, I might say he's my favorite. Yeah. If I had to pick one. Yeah, I might say, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know who else would, would even rival Ted Bundy, really. He's Can I tell you my recent favorite? I've been, I've been giving yeah. this a lot of thought lately. Yeah. Um, I really like The Son of Sam. And I never used to care about him that much, uh-huh. but then I got, mm-hmm. I got a dog, as you know, um, mm-hmm. not that long ago. Mm-hmm. And like, to be completely honest, so obviously the son of Sam was deeply mentally ill. Um, yeah, deeply. But yeah, deeply. if my dog told me to kill someone, I would 100% do, I would do anything for this dog. Like, yeah, I, I can't, like, I love this dog. And if he said, you got to start killing people, I'd be like, well, you know what? The dog says so. Like, if my dog is sleeping on my pillow, I will lie down on the floor. That's how I feel about my dog. So, like, I yeah. really understand the idea of killing on behalf of your dog if your dog is telling you to. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, it's like the most. It's it's beautiful loyalty. I mean, That's it's what, what is. love is, right? It's love means doing murders yeah. because your dog told you to. Doing murders. Yeah. I mean, Ted Bundy just hated women, but, like, you know, yeah. Son of Sam had, like, some animal love. Some love. Yeah. I mean, well, if we're going to rule I, out misogynist serial killers, we're ruling out a big pool of them. Uh, we're talking about, like, yeah. a big crowd of people that love murdering women. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm just saying, if, if, if we're talking about favorite serial killers, I don't think we can disqualify the misogynists. No, there's no, it's, I mean, that would leave us with, like, John Wayne Gacy. Oh, but, boy. Uh, he's nobody's favorite. I mean, he's, like, no one's favorite. No one's favorite. No one, he's never picking, no. Yeah, no, nobody wants to hang out with John Wayne Gacy. Sorry, John Wayne Gacy, but it's true. Yeah. No. All right. Ted Bundy was, like, um, a, so, a secret again, but, yeah, okay. So, not the point. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really, I'm looking forward to both of us getting to talk about serial killers more during this podcast. <laughs> Me too. Uh, sometimes. Um, so, yeah. Right, so they, they have no lead. Right. There's no what? There's yeah. no lead. They can't uh, figure out what to do about the Seattle Strangler, and that's why they're bringing in Gideon. Yes. Um, because, uh, for example, like, they have no idea that the woman who disappeared was IMing with a stranger, like, an hour before she disappeared. I'm not sure why they... Uh, they couldn't just look at her IM records and put piece that together. Especially since later in the episode, they figure out someone's password based on his music tastes, which is, uh, I guess we'll get to. Yeah. But that definitely works yeah. every time. Uh, it does. Well, they also don't have um, Garcia yet. It's too early. She's not like the, the, the tour de force as she is uh, okay. eventually. Well, she pops up but briefly on this episode, right? They're like, Garcia, we need your help on a computer. And she's like, I can't help you. And they're like, okay, thanks. Bye. (laughs) She's, uh, I can't wait to talk about that part. Yeah. Um, I I have to say at this point in the show is that a couple, like, yeah, it's just 
like when Reed shows up, it's like a whole new world. Like they're not, if you look at Reed and like this episode and then Reed in season 10, they're not really that different, but it's just sort of like this like disheveled level of dork. that's like really epic. It's just like okay. deeply beautiful. Yeah. So they need help. They can't figure out what's going on. And then we, right. there's a Joseph Conrad quote in this episode too. Um, and I think it would yep. be interesting for our sakes to keep track of um, who they quote. Uh, I, I've season. taken notes on that too. I'm, I'm really, I'm really pumped that we both thought that was uh, notable. Well, yeah. Because um, yeah, Gideon quotes a lot of people in the voiceovers. Yeah. Uh, is that is that like just a thing? Does he like read Bartlett's in his free time? Uh, there, he he probably does. Um, there's not usually three quotes per per episode. There usually it's just like one oh. at the beginning and one at the end. I think. Yeah. Oh, but wow. like you know, and it's not always Gideon. It's usually it's someone else. But I think that there is a requirement. Like you can't get on the plane until you read a quote that everyone can hear, and then okay, then go on. In, in lieu of buying a ticket. Yes, the quote is your ticket to getting on the plane. Someone has to do it or else they can't take off, and if they can't take off, everyone dies. That's a trip. All right, so I think the the Seattle Strangler has left behind a message, right? For heaven's sake, catch me before I kill more. I cannot control myself. And that's notable because Gideon – all right, I wrote this down. Tell me if I'm understanding this right. There was a serial killer from 1945, and Gideon keeps a picture of that 1945 serial killer in his office. I'm not sure why. Yes. Um, yeah. Right. He's a, look, Gideon's also got his favorite serial killers. Um, yes. And so he's like, oh, I know that quote because it's literally on the wall of my office. And everybody knows he would know that quote because he's always, I don't know, like tweeting selfies from his office or something like that. No, this is actually 2005. Yeah. There are no selfies. This is old, yeah. There might be yeah, pictures so of his office this. on like Quantico's website or something. Oh, Quantico's website. Can you imagine? I can't imagine <laughs> such a place. Well, we'll have to find that soon. Um, and so what they say to him, I, I wrote down the quote uh, because I thought it was so troubling. They said, it looks mm. like medical leave's over, boss. Ah, yes, medical leave. Fuck medical leave. It's over when we say it's over. Yes. Yeah. We uh, let you be on medical leave because we didn't need you. But now that we need you, you're done, right? You're good? Yeah. And, like, I can't, I can't explain how, like, how just the the team of, like, Reed, Morgan, and Hotch is just totally useless. <laughs> like, these are like three of the smartest people on the planet, apparently. And like, they're like, we can't do anything without you. We don't have, yeah. there's no women. We don't have Gideon. We don't have Garcia. There's like, we, the three of us cannot do this. Yeah. We can't and do anything. Not only are they that useless, but the FBI, and the FBI director is yeah. like, in fact, I'm taking Greg from Dharma and Greg pretty much off of the <laughs> Seattle Strangler case entirely because it's his new job uh-huh. to keep an eye on Gideon full time. Yeah. And plus the guy from Dharma and Greg, plus this guy who used to be on The Young and the Restless, and this kid who was in a Wes Anderson movie for 15 minutes. These people Whoa, together who was, cannot. Reed was in a Wes Anderson movie? Yeah, he was in Life Aquatic. He was an intern. He was one of the interns. Okay. And so then we go to um, – oh, and um, I also wrote this down that uh, uh, Gideon explains to, I guess, all of us that strangulation with your bare hands is not as easy as you would believe. Um, yeah. So I'd like to ask you, Chanel, like how easy do you think it is to strangle someone with your bare hands? 
With my bare hands? I have tiny hands. So I think it would be pretty okay. hard. Also, okay. like, well, I don't want what? to strangle someone. So. It's actually even harder than you're thinking. It's even harder. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing anyone gets anything done in the world of strangulation. Right? With all of our pathetic, weak hands, we're completely unable to strangle other human beings. What's the point of these uh, vestiges at all? No. Nope. Um, and so we, we see uh, what's going on with uh, Heather, and she's, like, in a chicken coop. She's in a fucking uh, – okay, this was, this was fucked up. Like, I've seen this episode before, obviously, and I've seen this show, and there's, like, things on a, a, a scale of terrible – but watching this, I was like, this is exceptional even for this show. And for, like, a pilot really? episode, they went, yeah, it was pretty they went rough. really big. Yeah. Well, this, I mean, Criminal yeah. Mind, I hate to keep comparing it, but I believe that it, like, premiered fairly shortly after CSI, which set kind of a new standard for how grotesque our police procedural yeah. dramas could be, right? Like, the, the yeah. new yeah. rule of the day was they need to be, like, fucked up and... Sick. Yeah, like we need to take it to a new level. Yeah. Right, because that's what the people demanded. Yeah. Well, because in Law and Order, I guess, like, you don't really see right. crime. Yeah, I think um, SVU is also kind of a reaction to that. I, SVU is not post-CSI, yeah. right? But SVU is sort of an understanding that we're moving towards a, a, a more disgusting uh, police procedural. Yeah, and I mean, I guess, like, even the, even the premise of Criminal Minds, right, is that, like, um, it's not just the the people who fix, who solve the case, it's also the people who commit the crime and we're like inside their heads. Right. Um, we're inside their minds, their criminal minds. And so everybody on the whole team is like, we can all agree that Gideon has PTSD, but like it's been six right. months, so probably he's fine. Right. And medical leave is over, boss. It's so, over. It's Fuck over. Off. It's done. It's, in fact, Fuck his medical leave is so done that Gideon, like, walks into the room, and he's like, based on the information you have, which none of you were able to do anything with, you had to take me off of medical leave because you had no leave, I'm going to give you an accurate profile by 4 o'clock today. Yep. Gideon, like, he's like, if you guys are going to hire me back, all I'm going to do is show off. That's it. I'm just going to show off. And, like, he goes to, like, a crime scene, and he's like, he looks around the scene, and he's like, this guy is definitely in his early 20s. Yeah, uh-huh. This, like, yeah. you, you know, this, this, you look around under a bridge, you can tell. You can tell. And uh, he says he's white in his 20s. He's got a criminal record of petty crimes, maybe auto theft. He follows the news. Mm. He has good hygiene, and he's sexually inadequate. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part. And it's like, can you imagine, like, if you met an FBI profiler, like, and had a conversation, <laughs> do you think they would be able to, like, profile you that well? Because, like, this is a guy that they've never met. They've just looked at, like, places he's been, and they can tell that he right. has good hygiene but is sexually inadequate. I feel like I mean, even if – I feel like even my closest friends don't know that I have good hygiene but I'm sexually inadequate. <laughs> now they do. Like, this is, this is what they pay him? I don't know. Yeah. That, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's why I mean, he I think the big bucks. The big bucks. That's why, yeah. That's why, yeah. He's the only one who can something... do this. He's the only one. Everyone else is useless. <laughs> I, I wrote something down here. I wrote something down here about, uh, oh, I wrote, Gideon is like, you guys wear suits, whatever. I'll wear whatever the fuck I want from the Eddie Bauer catalog. 
which is like <laughs> he really yeah he's got a real soccer dad look yeah. to him he's like i don't want to wear suits which is nice because reed has that whole i refuse to tuck my shirt in thing so they go together yeah, and they go together because they're the two smartest, right? Like, they're the only ones that understand what's going on at any given moment, it seems. Yeah, yeah, basically. basically. I mean, my question is, is Dr. Reed a genius? Because I don't think I would know that unless they mentioned it four or five times per scene. <laughs> unless he said something like, yes, I'm a genius. Right. I mean, this is like, I mean, it's a pilot, right? So that's the whole point. That they literally, they like... They are terrified of us not understanding the concept that Dr. Reed is a genius. Yes. They actually have to tell us how many PhDs he has, what his IQ is, and yep. how many words he can read a minute for us to know <laughs> that he is a genius. Otherwise, we have no yeah. So based on the perfect profile that Gideon comes up with, including that the Seattle Strangler probably has experienced the death of a parent or a family member because now he feels persecuted or watched, he's like, in fact – you guys have probably already interviewed him. So not only is he like, already I know exactly who this guy is. He's like, you don't know how, you don't have any leads and you've already met the guy. Everyone in the FBI is a fuck up except for me. You're so bad at your job, FBI. Yeah. And yeah. like, clearly they are. Yeah. If they've already interviewed DJ Qualls and didn't figure out that DJ Qualls <laughs> is, you know, secretly best friends with a prison guard who's holding a woman in a chicken coop on a boat. Sorry for the spoilers. That's who like, it was, DJ Qualls. I knew it. Okay. I was trying to figure out who he was, and it was driving me crazy, and that's who it is. Yep. I, I like him a lot, and I think Love it's very it. funny that when they, when they trap him in the house, um, uh, shoot, what is her name? Yeah, Elle Greenaway. Elle, right. She's like, Hey, uh, she pretends like she's house sitting and that the, like she scared someone's in the house and she's like, can someone check out the house with me? And DJ Qualls is like, yeah, I can come. And like, if I were in her position, if I was like, I'm scared to go into this house and DJ Qualls was like, I'll come in with you. I'd be like, can I actually get someone like two or three times <laughs> your size? Yeah. 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 I would be like, how about your grandmother? I'll take the lady who answered the door, actually. Right. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, I'll take the lady who answered the door. Word. And so it was a, it was a secret scheme because uh, Elle says that she would not send a SWAT team into a house with children. Um, right. And I know that this is a TV show and not real life, but, like, that's just because the suspect is white, that they wouldn't send a SWAT team into a house with children, right? Because people are constantly sending SWAT One, teams into houses with children. 100%. Yeah. So I think we're going to see – I feel like we're probably going to see a lot of that, of, like, Elle – acting exceptionally, you would know, right? Is Elle, uh, would you call Elle a typical FBI agent? Um, uh, in some ways. I feel like Elle is, has like a, a different, there's some like different stuff that we're going to get from her because she was in sex crimes. That was her whole, that was her, her seize before she was in the FBI. was like, oh. yeah, she worked in, in Brooklyn on sex crimes. So she's seen some shit, I think. Uh, and okay. I think we're supposed to think that it's like a different, a different, a different perspective, but like, I don't know. I don't know that like anybody on this team would be like, no, cool. Let's sit, let's send a, a SWAT team into a house with children. I'm not sure that that, that they would admit to like, you know, to that. They would be like, that's, that's wrong. But wait, I have a question about this whole, about the house. And this is like, I don't know. I really don't know. 
did they walk up to someone and go, we need to stake this house out because we need to trap somebody? Can we borrow your house? That's a great question. Um, I have no what? idea. And this is before the uh, the 2008 financial collapse, so it's not like they could have picked any of the numerous abandoned houses in this neighborhood. Correct. Yeah. I have no I have no idea where they got this house from. I can only presume that they that the FBI has a secret house in every neighborhood in the country. Oh, that's probably just true. in case. Yes. All right, that's enough. Um, I'm I'm satisfied with the answer. Okay. Good. Uh, and Morgan is like doing like a flirting thing with Elle, but his flirting thing is like being kind of sexist. But yeah, I don't know. Mor- Elle like, is it like, seems I like the show wants him to fuck. Oh, interesting. It's like the show wants them to fuck. I guess we'll, we'll find out right later in the series whether they fuck we'll or if she murders them. <laughs> uh, those are the only two ways this can end. So it's the only two ways this can end. Also, this is establishing Morgan as, like, the sexy profiler, I think. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's, like, really hot and, like, likes to go to bars and talk to ladies and, like. Right. Is he's always sexy. using profiling as a way. Do you think that when Morgan walks into a room, he can figure out, like, which of the women he's most compatible with from his FBI profiling skills? Oh, Definitely. Definitely. Also, the thing about Shamar Moore that makes the actor who plays Derek that's like so, that I love is that he was on The Young and the Restless for a really long time. So yeah. there are a lot of moments where he's where he's like doing the Derek Morgan thing, and I'm like, that's soap opera face. Like I huh. see, they like write scenes. I think just so he can do soap opera face, which is like it. pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty. All good. right, well, we're gonna have to be on the lookout for more uh, Shamar Moore soap opera. Soap opera face. Yeah. Um, so really quickly, when they get into the guy into DJ Qual's room, room they wipe his computer by entering a password into it. Like first thing, cops are like, dumb. Well, we don't know. The BAU is here. smart, right? Cops are dumb. Only the BAU is smart. That's what is happening here. Yeah. Um, and I okay. And we also get my personal favorite. Uh, moment of Reed being a genius because this show, this episode is like, <laughs> you guys, Reed is a genius. When he's like, this guy, because they find they find a board with that's mid game for the game Go, and Reed goes, ah, this guy is playing himself in Go, and they say, oh, how can you tell? And he's like, the board is on a lazy Susan. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, genius. Oh, Reed. Uh, Only a genius would do that. Um, and he also figures out he he profiles the guy based on the game of Go, which is also. Yep. yep. I mean that's brilliant. If you can look at someone's uh, game of Go and figure out that he is an extreme aggressor. Yep. Oh, but you know what? We actually glossed over really quickly that Gideon quoted Emerson on his way into the house. Yes, I just I wrote that down too. Yep. Yeah, and I mention it in part because my next note after the thing about the game of Go is that Gideon quotes Samuel Beckett next. Well, Beckett, yes, and then uh, he says something about does he say something about Yoda? Or no, he yes. says uh, Gideon quotes Samuel Beckett. About- then Morgan quotes Yoda back at him, and uh, Morgan has never heard of Samuel Beckett, and Gideon has never heard of Yoda, but Doctor Reed has heard of both of those things. Yes. 
Well, there was a moment also in terms of like the uh, the Reed genius stuff much earlier when um, Hotch and Reed are at Heather's house and yes. her dog is there and her dog is like all like being a dog, but the dog is scared of Reed and Hotch says something about how they call that the Reed effect where like children and animals are scared of Reed, which is just so fucking mean, but also, yeah, yeah. that's rough. <laughs> it's just, it's rough. You're scared yeah. of, yeah, children and animals are scared of you. Anyway, yeah. It, yeah, it's like um, uh, all your genius can't get a dog to like you, sucker. No, no one likes you. And also Morgan. I think there's, like, one of the funniest things I, about the show to me is that, um, m- like, this relationship between Morgan and Reed, which is that, like, you know, Morgan will say something like that Gideon is on the verge of a nervous breakdown, and Reed will say, like, it's not called that. It's called a major depressive episode. And Morgan is just like, I fucking hate you so <laughs> I hate you. I wish you would not say I, I hate you. Um, which is the thing that happens like every episode. Like Morgan is just like, I hate you. you. So they figure out that um, I think DJ Qualls has been studying Gideon, right? Yeah, reading his books. Yep. But Gideon oh, also knows that Heather's alive because um, DJ Qualls refers to her in the present tense. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He said she is rather than she was or something like that. Yeah. And Gideon's like, okay, good. She's alive. All we need to do is figure out what boat she's on. Um, I'm kidding, of course. I'm sure Dr. Reed already knows she's on a boat, but he doesn't want to tell anyone because he doesn't want them to make a genius. Right. I hate you. Yeah. Um, And then Gideon also figures out that it's a team, right? Because Greg from Dharma and Greg makes like an offhand comment at He's like, Gideon, you're like two people at the same time. And Gideon's like, two people at the same time, you say? What? And that's how he figures out, because I think they've been getting conflicting profile information about the killer. On the one hand, he's a lot like DJ Qualls. On the other hand, he's a lot like a prison guard we haven't met yet. How are these ideas compatible? So they they call Garcia to help them break into the computer. And now uh, it's... (laughs) You're really pumped about us calling Garcia. I love her. She, yeah. Um, it's like, this is another one of those things where it's like, holy crap, like the difference between this, like, like this Garcia is like this, like very like business casual sanitized Garcia who is like nothing like the Garcia of the future. But also this iterate is, is useless. She can't help them at all. Like those can't even, like, powers break are working. Yeah. No. They're like, we need to figure out a password. She's like, I can't figure out passwords. I gotta go. I can't do it. I can't do it. And they're like, okay, well, it's then like, our only choice, obviously, is to look at all his CDs. Yes, all the CDs. All right. Now, this is maybe TMI, but if if someone was trying to break into your computer, would they be able to yeah. figure out your yeah. password based on looking at your, let's say, iTunes? Probably. Really? That's so interesting. Okay, because that is not yeah. the case. Um, I think people who know me, like who, people who like are really close with me would have a really easy time guessing my password for almost everything, but it has nothing to do yeah. with any music I listen to. You would not be able to get it from looking yeah. at my Well, maybe Dr. Reed would, but nobody else. I mean, they might be able to hazard a guess. I don't know. My passwords are also notoriously long, so it might, nice. it might take a while. But I mean, you know, 
I think Reed could come up with it. He seems to be also functional. Genius. Dr. Reed is a genius. In fact, he's such a genius that he knows all of the lyrics to every Metallica song. Okay. I, I was thinking while watching this episode that, like, it is really good in terms of, like, a, a center, like, a, a first episode. And, like, there's a lot in the future that actually makes sense. Like, it's not one of those – it's not, like, a, a pilot that then, you know, the future has nothing to do with the pilot. It's actually, like, pretty well connected. But it does okay. not make sense that Reed would know Metallica lyrics. There's an episode of the future where he doesn't know who Lady Gaga is. Like, there's, he doesn't know Metallica lyrics. This is just – it's just very convenient for the writer. Uh, no offense, Janelle. I know you know the show better than I do, but Dr. Reed is a genius. <laughs> so I don't understand why he wouldn't it. know all the lyrics to every Metallica song. I, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. All right. Well, I guess I we'll it. have to see as we go along if I get converted to your side of this that Dr. Reed was probably bluffing with the Metallica. Maybe he saw one Metallica album know Metallica lyrics? in the room. I mean, and he was like, oh, definitely also, there's some establishing in here somewhere that, um, that, uh, oh yeah, Reed, uh, what is that? Gideon calls Reed Dr. Reed as opposed to Agent Reed. Right. Um, and Reed is like, what? Why does he do that? And Hotch says, it's because he knows it's because people uh, see you as a kid and he wants to make sure that they respect you. So. Yep. Because he's I saw like 24. Is that right? How many PhDs did you have when you were 24? Uh, two. Nice. Got a, got a real good <laughs> podcast going on here. Yes, two. Um, and then we get a Gideon voiceover quoting Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill, yeah. And then we're in prison. Right. Um, and then and Elle is wearing the shiniest leather jacket that ever was in the whole world. I, I didn't notice Elle's jacket, but now I feel like I need to revisit it and check it out. It's just shiny. Just know that it's shiny. All right. Fair enough. So they're following the prison guard's car because they see his keychain, mm-hmm. and that's how they solve this particular mystery. Um, yep. And they – so this was another, like, scene that was a show, a show about cops when they're following yep. the car, and they're like, he's driving too cautiously. Let's pull him over. <laughs> Yes! <laughs> it's like, you guys better be certain that you got a serial killer on your hands, because that, yeah. that is pretty poor conduct. It's, um, and in fact, they don't have a serial killer on their hands. They have a dude who traded cars. I wonder what happens to that guy, though. Does he just drive the, other, the, the serial killer's car home the rest of the way? They're like, okay, well, it's not him. Now we got to find your truck or whatever. Is he just like, okay, well, I'll see you later. I'm still going home in this car. I gotta go. I gotta go home. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Yeah, he's like he's got a life, and uh, so that brings us. Go. You know, we we converge right on the docks because uh, we figure out that it, uh, by breaking into the computer, we figure out they they watch a live cam, a live webcam of the uh, of Heather in a chicken coop, and then based yeah. on the yeah. light bulbs swinging back and forth, they're like, this is definitely a boat. Yep. So they converge on the docks. Um, yep. And. Uh, I guess they, they find this uh, prison guard, and Gideon, who is a dude who is extremely healthy and in no way suffering from PTSD, is like, nope. hey, I'm going to put my gun down. You should shoot me. Totally. Just shoot me. It's fine. 
Obviously. And everyone watching him is like, this guy's pretty healthy. He's in a really good mental state. Yep. yep. When we have to make some kind of assessment of him in the field, this right. this is no way unhinged behavior. Right. Right. Greg from totally Dharma and Greg makes a little, like, note to himself. He's like, Gideon seems really good. Good. We're, uh, it's better than ever. Yep. <laughs> better than ever. Exactly. Um, anyway, so right, they they capture the guy and they free Heather from the ki- the chicken coop, right? Yeah. Um, and it's and, really, uh, I don't know, yeah. What? Tell me. Yeah. It was, it, just, it was like, this is just a lot. The, the I don't know. Stuff? I mean, it, it just felt like a lot of the screaming, the like duct tape over uh-huh. the eyes. I was like, holy fuck. Like, this is, yeah. you know, and whatever. Like, it's, it, it was, it just it was a lot. And I remember thinking like, this is a lot for um, the time slot that it's in. It's nine o'clock on a uh, Wednesday. Like, uh-huh. I don't know. It's just, I was surprised, I guess, by like the level of, um, of violence. I hear that. Can I tell you part of what stressed me out about the duct tape over the eyes? Yes, please. Um, are you aware of the, that Michael Bay movie, Pain and Gain, starring uh, Mark Wahlberg no. and The Rock and Anthony Mackie? Uh, um, no, I, so I can't believe I'm not. Okay, so I can't exactly recommend the movie, but it's based on a true story, okay. and I and I pretty comfortably recommend the articles in like the Miami Herald about the true story, which is about three bodybuilders who kidnapped a guy and basically you know did a terrible job of crime. Um, and so it mentions in the articles that um, the guy they kidnapped they covered his eyes with duct tape, and the duct tape was digging into the bridge of his nose in a way that gave him a cut, and like. That's horrible. That's all I could think about with the duct tape on the eyes. Like, that must be awful. Awesome. Anyway, they get the guy. And um, then I think uh, Hotch is like, maybe I'll name my kid after Gideon. What does Gideon mean? And genius Dr. Yeah. Reed, who knows Hebrew, says Gideon means mighty warrior. And Morgan and Hotch are like, I hate you. <laughs> So we were having an idle conversation, Dr. Reed. Nobody needs to know what Gideon means in Hebrew. Oh, can I tell you what I saw recently, Chanel? Yes, yes. Because I've never seen this before, but I'm sure it's going to become, like, even more of a thing. Is I, I met someone who has a tattoo of Hebrew gibberish. They're not Jewish. Um, they just got a meaningful Hebrew tattoo that is not words. Um, I was really pumped. I was in an environment with almost, which, where I was like, oh, maybe this other person is Jewish. Uh, I'll talk to them because, you know, I'm a, I'm a Jew myself, and I'm only comfortable around other Jews, of course. Um, of course. But, no, I was, you know, I, I was just meeting this person. I was like, oh, you have a Hebrew tattoo. What does that mean? Because, you know, I can recognize Hebrew, and I can, like, read the letters, but I don't speak Hebrew or anything. Um, right. And she was like, oh, it does it, it's an abbreviation of a phrase. Uh, I'm not Jewish. Uh, anyway, so this just made me think about that. I wonder what Hebrew tattoo Dr. Reed would get. Probably uh, like some Metallica lyrics translated into Hebrew. And here we are. Okay. Um, right. And so now, now that the case is wrapped up, they're like Dr. Gideon, not Dr. Gideon, Agent Gideon. Uh, now, now that you're back in the field, we've captured Seattle Strangler, so that's cool. Um, obviously, you have a class of people waiting to get their homework turned in, but 
There's a lot of serial killers in this country. Uh, so I don't know. Do you do you want to keep teaching or do you want to help save the world? Totally your choice. Um, which obviously he responds by a voiceover quoting Nietzsche. Sure. And then going to get some gas at right. the gas station from Lucas Haas. Lucas Haas. Uh, and- I totally, like, I will 100% admit that, like, the ending of this episode shocked me. Um, Ah. I in no way anticipated anything like this, that he goes into the gas station and he meets Lucas Haas. And Lucas Haas is always entertainment industry shorthand for this guy's a creep. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And not only that, but Lucas Haas has a stutter. And who else do we know that has a stutter the foot pass killer. Yep. So Gideon is like, interesting, this guy has a stutter. I only know of one other person who has a stutter. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> and then he walks out of the gas station, and then Lucas Haas follows him and cocks a rifle. And cocks a rifle. And then we go to credits. Did you notice that behind him... Okay, so Lucas Haas is, like, giving Gideon his, like, change or whatever, and they're staring at each other. And there's, like, a wall of photos behind Lucas Haas. I did see that. Um, Now, were those people being killed? Were they? I thought, now, probably it's relating to his killing, right? But what I thought when I saw those photographs is I was like, those are probably people that tried to rob this gas station. Oh. Or, like, you know, those are people whose checks bounced or whatever. Oh, that's okay. I immediately assumed that they were like people he killed. <laughs> How do you wait? Don't you know? You've seen the show. I do. You I, never learn what those I, Polaroids were. I never. I assumed that they were people he's killed, and thought like he's really bad at murder. <laughs> like, <laughs> just casually posting like maybe, pictures of his victims <laughs> at his workplace. Like maybe that place doesn't get a lot of traffic. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it definitely doesn't get a lot of traffic. Um, I, which also, where yeah. is that? Like, where is Gideon going and coming from that he stops in this, like, middle-of-nowhere gas station? Was he driving from Seattle back to D.C.? I think he's coming from – from. so, okay, we don't know this yet, but he has a cabin in the middle of nowhere where he's like, goes to, like, I don't know, like, rest his thoughts or whatever – stuff um and i was i I think that you're supposed to think that he's on his way there but we don't know that that's i don't know he's like somewhere in the middle of nowhere i'm assuming he's driving from quantico home to the cabin or home okay maybe that that makes sense i I follow that he's on this like desolate i don't know it doesn't make sense it really didn't it really seemed like he was like in another state like not definitely not northern virginia okay so that was the episode of criminal minds right that was the episode yes yeah. Uh, so now we're like waiting for the next week to find out whether or not Gideon got murdered by Lucas Haas at the end of this episode. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, who knows what will happen next week? Yeah, it's impossible to tell. What what uh, what bands will Doctor Reed know all the lyrics to next week? Um, who will Morgan fuck next week? Uh, what will Greg from Dharma and Greg name his baby next week? Oh yes. What will he name? There's a, a lot of questions. Plus, what's Elle's deal? And Garcia, what are they? Are they sleeping together? Who knows? <laughs> There's literally, like, it's 
it's an incredible thought to me that like there's 10 more seasons of this to go after this episode. Yeah. Like I, I've like marathon shows before. Like I watched all of the Sopranos like right before it ended or whatever, but like, uh, yeah. that's like not, that's like 40 episodes. It is. This is like a pretty big undertaking. Uh, so I'm really excited to find out what happens with the gang. Me too. Yeah. Uh, wait, I'm looking at the name of next week's episode. Okay. <laughs> the title is Compulsion. Here, I'll read this little Wikipedia uh, thing about it. Basically, they go to Arizona where there's a serial arsonist, um, and they have to figure out who the fire starter is. Well, that's exciting. We're going to go to Arizona next week. Do they find next out that the week, fire starter Arizona. in Arizona is the uh, terrible climate? Yeah, and Jan Brewer is Jan Brewer. I'm Harry Waxford. You can find me online on Twitter, mainly at MuffMacGuff. You can also follow our show Twitter at UnsubPod. Spelled exactly like it sounds, or pretty close to how it sounds. I'm Chanel Dubofsky. You can find me on Twitter with my shenanigans at, at Chanel Dubofsky. Fantastic. Love it. Great.